You're listening to the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. We talk sports because we know sports. Hi, how are you? Welcome to another episode of the Ron Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. I am Doc Holliday, Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce. What's up, man? You back at the crib, huh? What's going on, Doc? I am, man, back home. Always good to be back in uh, Fort Lauderdale, you know, where I'm from, particularly at home, Doc. I mean, there's nothing uh, better than sleeping in your own bed, as you can, you probably could agree, but, you know, when you leave, you travel. You travel for great reasons, uh, great causes, and for celebration. So I'm back here in Florida, man. How you doing, Doc? I'm great, man. You ain't, man. You don't live in Fort Lauderdale no more, man. Quit telling them stories, <laughs> man. You, you, you move from Fort Lauderdale, man. You, you close. Keep them guessing. <laughs> keep them guessing, Doc. Let's keep them guessing. You know what I mean? <laughs> you close to your hometown, but yeah, keep them guessing. But anyway, man. Hey, you just coming back, man? We had the Hall of Fame game. Uh, but more importantly, damn the Hall of Fame game. Man. Who, who played? The Raiders played. The uh, damn, who did they play? I was watching the Jaguars. The Jaguars. The sorry ass Jacksonville Jaguars. Even though it's preseason, <laughs> Jacksonville still going Jacksonville. But anyway, man, we had the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Man, of course, you were there for the first mm-hmm. time as a official Gold Jacket member. How was the, how was it, man? I mean, great speeches, man. But how was the experience? Last year, you were there getting inducted. This year, you were there as someone that was able to chill on the stage. And I saw you chilling on the stage because I was looking. I said, oh, there you go up there with, with Big Jackie Slater. You know what I'm saying? How, how was <laughs> yeah. the experience, man? Uh, Doc, it was it was wonderful, man, uh, particularly for the inductees. Um, it's just amazing how the entire city of Canton, which isn't very big, it just comes alive, Doc. I mean, it's like, it's, it's very close to being like Vegas on fight night, you know, from what I hear. And other places, man, that come alive. But that 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 town, it really knows how to host and you know have one of the largest parades uh, that's that's thrown all over the world. I think it's the third largest. And uh, just to see the guys, man, their families, uh, their friends, it's a humbling experience. Uh, Leroy Butler, Seymour, uh, Coach Vermeil, uh, Tony Baselli, those guys get an opportunity to get their flowers and man share those moments with their families. And uh, uh, just wonderful to see, man, just to be up there, sitting up there with your peers. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm always finding myself uh, right up under Jackie Slater, you know, just <laughs> listening to his wisdom. Yeah. You know, he was, you know, I was drafted in, in, in uh, 1994, which it was his 18th season with the Los Angeles Rams at that time. So we played two years together, you know, before he capped off a 20 year career, a uh, Hall of Fame career. So. I'm always listening to his wisdom. He's funny. He, you know, he's uh, he's engaging and uh, he just makes me laugh, man. So I'm always uh, very pleased to just be around him among other guys, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and my experience with Jackie, man, is that, uh, I, you know, in camp, he was always talking to me. He was always encouraging me. He was always uplifting me. He was always complimenting me on great plays and great things I was doing in practice because he knew the coaches. They just wanted out my ass was that they wanted to cut my ass. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> they had drafted so many running backs that year. But he was always saying encouraging things to me, man. So it was good to see Big Jackie, man. But was there anybody else, man? Uh, uh, I see, I see, I see. Oh, Mr. Hope, oh Tory Hope was there, and yeah, 
and it's I'm I'm looking at a man, and it's strange seeing Tori Holt sitting out in you know with everybody else, and not right. sitting on the stage with everybody else in the gold jacket. I don't know how that makes him feel, but I didn't. You know, what I'm saying I prefer to see Holt sitting up there with everybody else with a gold jacket. But that's your guy. So how was it catching up with your guy again, man? And was that the only? I saw Big O. Mike Jones was there, but was there any other greatest show on turf teammates you had there? <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, you mentioned T. Hope, but uh, Trent Green was in the house. Robert Holcomb, he was in the house. You got Adam Timberman, Mike Grudadoria. The entire offensive line was intact uh, there. Roland Williams, you can never leave him out because he <laughs> won't allow you to. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Marshall yeah, was in the house. You got Ernie Conwell. Kurt was there. Big E! Just, just a... Yeah, man, just a whole group of just like our locker room just got together to for an opportunity to take a photo with Coach Vermeil and uh, just all the people that, you know, that are valuable uh, to, to what we were doing, the behind the scenes people. You know, uh, I can mention some names like Connie and uh, I can mention some names like Jim, uh, Jim Anderson, all those people. They don't they don't get in front of the camera, but they're responsible for helping us to get on the field, practice field and the game field on Sundays, man. Those people are invaluable. And at times they don't have an opportunity to get recognized. So I like recognizing those people when I get an opportunity to. And speaking, I mean, it's good to see Dick Vermeer go in, man. But I, I, I was, I, Dick Vermeer, your guy, I don't know. I met him last year at your induction. I, I, as a fan, I'm like, man, you need to, look, man, shut, you get eight minutes, man. You've been talking about, you, you're pulling a Ray <laughs> Lewis, bro. I ain't think he was going to ever sit down. He was making everybody stand up. I'm like, God dang, Dick Ramel. But when you're that age, man, and you done did the things that you can do, man, I don't know how you can put a time limit. Well, I do know why you can put a time limit because when Ray Lewis spoke for about 30 or 40 minutes that year, they're like, you know what? We got to start capping this. But his speech yeah. was cool, man. You know, he, he has a lot of football history. You know, uh, he's done a lot of great things. And he didn't cry, bro. Were you surprised? No, he, I didn't see. I was shocked. I was like, hell, what are tears? I was shocked. Shocked, Doc. I mean, because I mean, that's that's kind of his mo. That's just what he's known for. He's known for being emotional. Uh, when he spoke about Carol, his wife was probably the only time that he got up there and cried. But you know, he was being professional at that moment. And you know, let's be real. I mean, eight minutes for a guy that turned around three franchises. You know, that were on a downswing. You know, that's a lot of people, Doc. That's a lot of players. That's a lot of uh, you know. Uh, executives from upstairs. There's a lot of people that, you know, that you want to thank because they are responsible for, you know, you being where you are. They help you to get there. I mean, I, I, who, who cares how small or how great they, they played a part in it. And for, for people from his high school, Hillsdale High School, I heard that a thousand times this weekend, from uh, Philadelphia, UCLA, from Kansas City, and from St. Louis, man, he has, he has a, a huge contingent of people that love him and that he loves as well. Now they talked about how tough a coach he was. Translation to me, he was an asshole, but he got <laughs> results. You know what I'm saying? And I know yeah. when, when when young men are in that situation, they don't want to hear all that. They're like, man, this dude is a jerk. He's an asshole. But when you yeah. see the fruits of how his, his assholeness, and you end up winning and going to Super Bowls <laughs> and winning, because you get you when you reach our age, you have a certain appreciation for it. So, you know, I'm pretty sure. Uh, your relationship with, with Vermeil is, is special. You know what I'm saying? Started off a little rocky, but you have a certain appreciation for him. And I was glad to hear him acknowledge you on that stage on Saturday. Uh, and I know he has a certain appreciation for you as well. Indeed, Doc. You know, we got, 
uh, we get an opportunity this month to, uh, to kind of host uh, Coach Vermeil at my annual Isaac Bruce Foundation Gala in St. Louis uh, on August, August 26th. It's an opportunity for Coach Vermeil to be in one of those cities where he brought a championship to and the fans get an opportunity to say thank you up close and personal, see him with his gold jacket on. I mean, because that's what it's about, Doc. I mean, you know, it, it's about building relationships and you work on those relationships so that they're always fruitful, that they're always growing. And that's where uh, Coach Vermeil and I are and many of his players, um, you see their relationship, the way it goes. And man, he does so many things behind the scenes, Doc. I mean, as far as taking care of players that are less fortunate, uh, families, wives, he's still that coach, man. I, and, and for him to be 84 years young, you know, he's still taking on that challenge, man. He, he's winning the game. You know, speaking of winning the game, man, I don't want to say who won the speeches, man, but it was a lot of good speeches, bro. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, and one, and I, I don't, you know, and, pro, and I don't appreciate you texting me back that too, bro, calling me soft, man, because I told you I cried. When Brian, <laughs> hey, I cried doing Brian Young's speech, man. To hear him speak, man, and to be so well thought of, uh, uh, thought out and articulate, man, and being able to compose his emotions for us and to see his beautiful family, man, his beautiful wife and children, man. And because uh, he threw me off when he said I had, you know, we got six beautiful kids and he introduced five. See, I didn't I, I didn't know about his son, Kobe, uh, passing away. So I'm like, I'm so then he said, let me introduce you to the sixth. So when he said that, man, I just, hey, bro, I was in here watching by myself, just boo-hooing, man. I mean, I wasn't snotty crying, but I was, I was tearing up, man. His story was so emotional, man. That's the guy you, you went to war against and you played against, man. Uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, you try to play tough, bro, but you, you know, you got a little sweet spot with you too, man, as, as far as being nice and emotional. Did His speech had to touch you too, bro. And I'm pretty sure it touched everybody that was in the building. Oh, absolutely, Doc. Listen, man, I have emotions just like everyone else. But, you know, the difference is I don't let the emotions lead me. They, they follow the decisions I make. But, Doc, when you talk about Brian Young, man, listen, he was, he was, he was Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. Yeah. In 1994, he was, he was one of my, my draft classmates out of Notre Dame. And for years, I mean, we had that rival of playing the San Francisco 49ers. He was one of the guys that we always circled. We drafted players to combat his production. We signed free agents to combat his production because there was a time when we played San Francisco 49ers for a stretch probably maybe of three or four years. The first two plays of the game was always a tackle for loss, and it was by Bryant Young, man. He was, he was disruptive. Uh, he was one of those players that, you know, we just had issues blocking. We always had to put two guys on him. And, you know, that's just from a football standpoint, man. You know, we, we football players and people as a whole, man, we have the ability to turn things on and turn things off. But to really get to know him off the field, man, is, I, I think it's special. I'm at, I'm at a point where um, I'm starting to get to know him. And just for him to really, you know, remove the veil and show us a piece of his life, uh, his, his humanity, uh, it, it was just special, all in whole, man. He has a beautiful family, like you mentioned. And uh, he's a guy that you want to look up to and really kind of, you know, measure where you are in life uh, with his. Yeah, man, I got a, I, I got some uh, – I had plenty of respect for him, man, but I got even more respect for him now, man. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Beijing in the building too, man. You know, Michael Irv, my boy, Michael Irv, get that Beijing. I'm going to have to holler at Michael Irv when I say, hold on, Mike, he got no grade nowhere, but 
Beijing and, and another guy. I'm finna, I'm finna crack on it, but he, he got inducted. My guy Leroy Butler had a lot of Beijing too, but he got inducted, man. So I know he's one of your favorite players, man. Uh, I'm pretty sure you got a chance to holler at him. How did that go, man? Because it's good to see him get in, man, because we know how great of a defender he was with the Green Bay Packers, man. But to see Leroy Butler go in there, man, how was your interaction with him, man? So, Because I, I, I was glad to see him, bro. Uh, Doc, he's from Duval County, which is up north from South Florida, man. And, you know, just another Florida guy, man. Um, uh, a great football player. Um, he was always one of those guys that you had to pay attention to on the defensive end from on the back end of the defense to playing in the box, Doc. We're talking about a guy with over, what, 20-plus sacks in his career. And uh, that's what he was known for. You know, you, you, you tend to find it special when a guy like, uh, John Madden has his favorites. Leroy Butler was one of his favorites, man. You know, for the for the reasons of just being a football player, all around player, and he was an innovator. Doc, he's the creator of the Lambo Leap. You know, you see everybody around the league now. You know, all you know inside and outside of Lambo Field when they score a touchdown, jumping into the stands, it's all because of Leroy Butler, man. He did it first, and uh, he should be given credit for it. And hopefully, he coined the term. The term. And, uh, you know, it was great to see him being inducted, man. Had a great career at Florida State. It's where I first came in contact with him. And uh, just to see him on the field is special. Now, it was also great to see that damn induction ceremony held at, at noon, man. I, I was like, oh, okay. We got to – I wish it was like that last year. I could have hung out at your party a little longer, man, because I got sleepy, bro, about 12, 30, 1 o'clock. But uh, – Great experience, man, everybody out there, man, just being there. Let me ask you this now. When, when all those – I know when all those great players get together, man. Well, when athletes get together anyway, that's a lot of trash talk. So I'm pretty sure well, that's a lot of that going on, man, because I, I saw a video on, on social media, and I already knew when I heard the voice because he always in the middle of something. Warren Sapp was just going off on Chris Carter. <laughs> I'm like, God, dang, Sapp is always you, man. But anyway, that's what you expect when you get – Guys who, are, who who not only, because you got to be the best of the best to go to the league, then there's a whole nother level getting to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So you got these greats coming together. So is that normally a lot of trash talking going on, man, when, when, when you guys get together? Well, you know, some people would label it as trash talk. And it's just that competitive greatness that just comes alive. Uh, when you're, it, it's a locker room atmosphere all over again, Doc. You've been in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we start talking about, from your attire to the way you uh, articulate a certain word <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. to the glasses that you're wearing. You mm -hmm. know, you mentioned the Beijing dot. All that is free yeah. game in the locker room. You know, yeah. you know, you just got to have tough skin. <laughs> Some guys have tough skin. Some guys skin is a little thinner than others. Uh, but, you know, the beautiful thing about it is that it never escalates to anything. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, good, fun ribbing and it is fun need man and I mean it's just it's just always great to see those guys in those moments and uh I had a one particular moment this uh this weekend doc where I was sitting at a breakfast table and I was sitting there with the likes of Tony Dungy I was sitting there with uh James Lofton I was there with Shaq uh Harris uh the first uh black quarterback ever to win a uh playoff game in the National Football League for the Rams, James Harris. Yeah. Uh, Doug Williams was there, Doc. And the wow. great Charlie Joyner, man. I'm just sitting there and they're listening to stories. I mean, at that at that moment right there, you, you got three or four quarterbacks. Tony Dungy was a quarterback. 
Doug Williams was a quarterback. James Shaq Harris was a quarterback. And, uh, you know, they're talking about the great Marlon Briscoe. You know, we mentioned him, you know, yeah. a couple of weeks ago uh, on this show. And Doc, these dudes, when you see their eyes light up talking about each other, about how they could throw the football, how they was talking about Warren Moon, the way he threw the football, and, uh, you know, how these guys were on purposely, purposely shunned and looked over as far as when they were coming out uh, of their respective colleges by the NFL as far as being a quarterback, Doc. It, it was jaw-dropping, man, because these guys could really throw the pill, Doc. You know, you're a running back. You can tell who can run the rock. Yeah. I'm a receiver. I can tell who can who can work it. But at the same time, I know a good quarterback when I see a good quarterback. And these guys knew great quarterback play when they saw it. Man, man them Hebrews getting together, talking, man, having great yeah. conversations and great experiences. That's what a lot of people don't understand, man. These these are Hall of Famers, man. But when they get the like you said, it's trash talking, man, and it never it, it never escalates to anything physical because it's all fun. And if whether it's Hall of Famers as whether it's athletes, period. When we get together, man, and we get to trash talking and we know you sensitive about something, we're going to keep busting <laughs> your head about it, man, and making you mad and upset. See, that's why I had to take your power away because it was a couple of trigger words with me. You knew you say them. I get hot as hell and ready to choke the shit out of it. But now I, nope, it's all good, brother. Have your fun. But it looks like it was a great experience, man. It looked like uh, you had fun, man. Did you get a chance to check on Smoosh? Yeah, man, we we checked on Smush. Smush was uh there the entire weekend, right in front of the hall, the hall museum. Uh, Fan Fest was 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 phenomenal, man. We got an opportunity to speak about it, promote it a little bit on different networks, and uh, that was special, man. It's just uh you know just the goodness of the Lord, man. He's you know he's con constantly showering and shining his face on us, man. Uh, Smush just being another opportunity, Doc. You know, getting a, getting a chance to really meet some people who. Uh, really can change and shift things. I mean, a couple of attorney generals from uh, South Carolina, some senators from the state of Texas. So, Doc, things like that, they kind of, you know, they kind of snowball into other things. So, you know, we could have a voice with those people. I met one of the uh, uh, chief of police from the city of Chicago, Doc, and we all know some of the things that are transpiring in Chicago. So to be able to met, meet a chief of police uh, in the city of Chicago, it looks just like me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I offer my services to him any kind of way I can, man, Doc, because, you know, we're about change. We're about change and celebrating excellence everywhere we go. And you got to let me know, too, man, if he take you up, in a, up on an offer, man, I want to be a part of that, too, man, because we have to be yeah. a voice, man, and try to help uh, what's going on in our communities because it's destructive, man. But if it, everybody don't know Smoosh is Isaac, ice cream sandwich shop. They got ice cream and ice cream sandwiches and what else y'all sell? Y'all selling anything else, bro? Soda pops? We sell, we're selling milkshakes, water. Doc, it's the ultimate ice cream sandwich, man. When you take either two cookies, you take two brownies or two donuts, man, and you put them on the end of a, a huge chunk of ice cream in the middle, man. It's the great, the greatest cheat day meal that you would ever experience. So it's the ultimate cookie sandwich, ice cream, smoochcookies.com, man, if you're interested in franchising, man. Say it again. Now give the I say I need get a website again, man. Smoochcookies.com. It give is it the smoosh smoochcookies.com. That's S-M-O-O-S-H cookies.com, man. We're offering uh franchise opportunities to want to be entrepreneurs, man. And uh it's a great brand. I think it's one of those, it, it is one of those brands that's under thirty thousand dollars to become a part of. So, you know, you got thirty thousand, twenty-eight thousand dollars. 
come on, walk into it, man. It's a, it's a great opportunity. And just about everybody I've ever come in contact with has ever experienced ice cream or eaten ice cream or they love ice cream. So uh, it's still summertime, still a perfect opportunity to get you an ice cream sandwich from Smoosh Cookies, the ultimate ice cream sandwich. Hey man, that's a heck of a sales pitch, man. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. A, I, I, I might have to research and look at the franchise opportunity. You said thirty thousand. You right up in my little range, man. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to be rich too. I want some of these billions too. But speaking, of, Matthew Stafford doesn't have any billions, but he does have a Super Bowl rings. He does the ring, and he, but he does have tens of millions. Like me, man, our Rams, man, the defending Super Bowl champions, man. Matthew Stafford, uh, been dealing with a little, uh, uh, uh. Little elbow injury, man. Little elbow situation. I did practice Saturday, threw the ball against air. You know, looked like he was able to let it go, but he really hadn't been able to practice so far this camp, man. And Sean McVay said his elbow injury uh, is up abnormal for a quarterback. It's almost like what pitchers get. So should mm -hmm. the Rams be concerned, man, with Matthew Stafford not being able to practice uh, and still dealing with this irritating elbow injury, which he has gotten injection for, which means he got shot up for it. But it's still bothering right. him, man. Should the Rams be concerned? Well, Doc, I, I, absolutely, man. You should be. There should be a level of concern. I mean, you know, we took care of Matthew Stafford this offseason by giving him an extension. So we, we're pretty much solidified at that position uh, for the next couple of seasons. And uh, when you start talking about, uh, you know, an injury that kind of reminds you of what a pitcher in baseball gets, Doc, it's only a couple of things. As far as, you know, what those pitches get, you know, it may be uh, that, that very apex of where their elbow is or that UCL ligament, Doc. And, and if we're talking UCL, Doc, they should be, you know, highly concerned or, you know, try to rest this guy as much as he can or, uh, or, or do something, you know, kind of outside the box. You know, I'm not sure where he got his injection. I don't know if it's, that's legal in America. If he went to Europe to get that done, we hear a lot of players in basketball you know, take that approach. But doc, I think the level of concern should be probably two or three. And uh, if you got to rest them as best you could, you can to get this season started. You know, you do that. I mean, none of the starters for the last couple of seasons have played, uh, you know, with the Rams in the preseason, you know, uh, you know, over the last three seasons. But at the same time, you got to make sure these guys are ready to play. Uh, he's got to be ready to play because doc, there's nothing behind him. Okay. <laughs> there's nothing behind Matthew Stafford you know, to, to push us. I mean, I think we kind of fortified, you know, through free agency this year, what we want to do to be in a position to repeat. But Matthew Stafford is an important part of that, man. UCL, man, what you learn? You ain't take kinesiology at Memphis, bro. How you know that term? There's some stuff you had to learn, man, because you do, you know, you do training and stuff at the Bruce Zone, man. How you know them mm -hmm. terms, bro? You ain't never heard, I don't think you ever heard tell UCL. That, that's kind of smart. Well, I'm a, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, and I've seen these pictures you know, have to have that Tommy, Tommy John surgery. Okay. And that's okay. the ligament that they have to repair. So, I, I, you know, I learned, I, I learned things. I watched Jeopardy doc. And, you know, I mean, I'm filled with the spirit of the Lord, man. And he, he uploads stuff into me and I just blurted it out and people think I'm smart, but to God be the glory. To God be the glory, man. It's, you know what, speaking of uploading, uploading things, man, Aaron Rodgers been, he, he admitted to uploading things, man, you know, in, in a way that, I feel like if anybody else would have said this, they would have been ripping their heads off. But Aaron Rodgers admits that he takes psychedelic drugs. Now, he uh, he's the reigning two-time NFL MVP. But he admits to taking ayahuasca, going to Peru and taking ayahuasca. You know, a psychedelic drug.
that puts you in a whole nother, makes you think you're in a whole nother dimension. And he gets away with saying it. My thing is, first of all, this is what he says. He said he wanted to feel what pure love felt like. I had a, this quote, Aaron Rodgers, I had a, I had a magical experience with the sensation of feeling 100 different hands on my body. And he said, well, whose hands? Uh, imparting a <laughs> imparting a blessing of love and forgiveness for myself and gratitude for this life. Now, Aaron Rodgers admits to taking psychedelic drugs. My problem with that is that, okay, dog, is that what you do? You're a role model, man. A lot of young people look up to him. A lot of young people might think that, okay, I can go use, I want to take not only psychedelic drugs, other kind of drugs. Hopefully that'll help me perform the way Aaron Rodgers performs. We know that's not the case, but the NFL hadn't said anything. I hadn't really heard anybody say anything about that. They just kind of laughed. Why the hell Aaron Rodgers gets a pass for admitting that he uses psychedelic drugs? Man, this stuff can be dangerous, man, because he could put your mind in a whole different place. Well, you're trying to do stuff, man, and end up killing yourself. Well, well, Doc, that that may it may and may not be true. Um, you know, from what I heard about this story, um, they mentioned that it was plant based, Doc. I mean, this is a plant based generation. Uh, people are more in tune with their health, and they're taking back the power of their health and not really putting it in the hands of doctors and people who just want to give you a prescription that's probably going to fix one thing in your body but it's going to affect the other thing it may it may cure your 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 cataracts and give you diabetes you know diabetes or you know uh diarrhea at the same time doc so this this is just another opportunity (laughs) another opportunity for people taking (laughs) back their health doc and 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 some of the words that, that were mentioned uh he said he wanted to experience love he wanted to experience gratitude I mean, these are some of the things that we teach as well. We it, it, and these are these are uh, uh, characteristics that we believe that can add to our life, and we can share them with other people at the same time. Now, me being a former football player, and I know, you know, every time uh, you go to training camp, you have this window where it's one week where they test for street drugs. Stop. Now, I say that to say this because some pl- some players are so smart that they stop taking whatever street drug they're taking for one week so they can pass it because they know it's the last time the league's going to test for that certain street drug, okay? Now, the rest of the season, you're good. They're not testing for that anymore. And some people are so arrogant that they know the league is testing it that week when you report to camp. They know this, Doc. But they still say, okay, I'm going to just do it this one more time and, you know, take this $50, whatever you're doing, to, yeah. and go, you get popped. There goes, you know, six, week, six weeks of your salary or eight weeks of your salary right down the drain for what you choose to do for $50. So um, maybe, maybe whatever Aaron Rodgers took, you know, is, is considered one of those street drugs. And, you know, uh, he probably does it as soon as the season is over. And, Doc, it doesn't get flagged when they're testing for street drugs. So, uh, you know, some people get right up to the line. You know, they want to see how far they can get with the rules, and they pass, Doc. And even with that, man, the NFL really don't want to stop players from taking drugs, man. That's why they let you know when it is. So hopefully you will stop, and we ain't going to bother you no more because they know players, man, 
They want them out there being entertaining. They want them to be out there to entertain, man. So, my, I mean, to me, man, I got, I got to Aaron Rodgers, but still, man, it's reckless, man, because a lot of players, a lot of young people look up to him. They'll take these drugs, man, not knowing what they can do to him and not, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure he's taking it in a controlled environment. He has all kinds of support around him. You know what I'm saying? Because he's a multimillionaire, man. But it's just what it looks like to me, man. You know, I'm, I'm plant-based. The most high is all his medicines come from the earth. So, you know, I believe in all of that. You know what I mean? So, but I just don't like it because I, I think if it was somebody else, man, let Lamar Jackson say that. Just say, let, let Lamar Jackson say, oh, I take psychedelic drugs. Oh, they're going to be on his ass, man. They're going to be calling for a suspension, whatever. But it's just a double standard. But that's just how I feel about Aaron Rodgers, man. Because some things you can do, some things you cannot do. But apparently Aaron Rodgers can do whatever he wants to. And you know what? Oklahoma assistant coach, football coach, Kel Gundy, felt like he could do some things that he shouldn't do. So he he resigned. Kel Gundy used to play at Oklahoma, man. That's the, that's the brother of uh, Oklahoma State head coach, uh, Mike Gundy, the one with the mullet. But uh, he been at he been at Oklahoma for a long time, man. But uh, he had to retire. I, uh, apparently, uh, allegedly, no, not allegedly, he said it uh, during a position meeting. I don't even give a damn what position he coaches because some things you just can't say and do. He saw one of his players. He said one of his players weren't paying attention, so he snatched the player's iPad and he read what was on the iPad. And one of the words on the iPad was the N word. So Caleb Gundy just. He said the N-word. So apparently, uh, allegedly, and rightfully so, players got pissed off. Bro, you can't say that. First of all, you know, don't be snatching the iPad out of my hand. But he said the, he said the N-word. So he has had to resign. And I say, good for you. It's got a lot of people don't want see a lot of college football coaches, they have a certain power over college football players. And a lot of it take it for they take they uh, uh, take advantage of. It. They get comfortable saying certain things. They get comfortable doing certain things that NFL coach is not going to do. Because NFL, you dealing with grown men, you dealing with grown millionaires. It's a chance they might choke the hell out of you. But college football players take a lot of slack. They take a lot of trash from football coaches. Uh, uh, you know they have. They think they have a leeway, and a lot of times they say disrespectful things. They do disrespectful things. Cause I remember some things said when I was in college, but hey, my ass addressed it right then. That's probably probably why they didn't like me. I'm like, what the fuck you just say? Man, finna, you know what I'm saying? But he said the N-word, he resigned, right thing to do, Ice. Well, Doc, this is interesting. Uh, it's the first I've heard of the story. Uh, definitely, you know, we talk about, you know, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. You know, we've come to learn that, you know, it's just inappropriate, man. I think we're and always at the most of the times, particularly at, in, in college, you're in control settings. Um, you're being taught to control your emotions. You're being taught to not to get too high, to get too low. In moments of distress, you, you're taught how to deal with them. So, you know, it's a person in leadership that uh, I think he kind of stepped uh, across the bounds. He could have very easily just, you know, said that word the way you said it, you know, referenced it as, the n-word uh and you know you keep the peace in the room you know that should be the ultimate goal doc is to be for peace and to keep the peace at all times so it's unfortunate to see i mean he's, he's been a, a key cog uh with the sooners for a very long time uh he's uh he's 50 he played at the university of oklahoma and uh it's just unfortunate that you know these the the, the student athletes have to go through these different stages 
uh, in their college career. But I do think it's something that, you know, they can get past and uh, really go on and lead productive lives. As, uh, you know, another thing I noticed about this uh, last name Gundy, I feel like, you know, there was a there was a player from Colorado that accused his brother, Mike Gundy, of the same thing. Yes. Alfred Williams, yeah. uh, Alfred Williams, a former defensive lineman for the, Broncos, uh, right? for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he uh, he accused his his brother of the same thing. So, Doc, you know, you know, I heard a quote here recently. It says not only does the oppress need to have their mind renewed but the oppressor needs to have their mind renewed as well so i think that's where it's it's, it's heading doc it's heading there rapidly to the point where you know things are coming and it's getting flipped upside down the last shall be first and the first shall be last and uh, it's just an unfortunate incident doc in here in oklahoma that you know they had to go through that there's a scripture in deuteronomy chapter 31 that speaks about speaks about things turning and you know what I'm saying? So, but you were right. You made a great point. And that's the conversation uh, that needs to continue to be had, but it's not only a conversation that needs to be uh, continued to be had or what's appropriate and not appropriate and how it makes uh, us Hebrews feel uh, not only the conversation, but to have some kind of understanding because I don't think a lot of people understand the damage that's been done to us and how certain trick, that's why I don't even like using that word anymore. I used to, you know, you, you talking to your, your partners and your boys, but I hate that word, man, because I don't want to be using it. Cause I, I still remember when I first got to Memphis state and I used to say the word talking to, and you know, coach Fox pulled me to the, he said, doc, look doc, you know, coach Fox, bless his heart. He was a wide receivers coach. Uh, when I got there, then Fickner took over when you, uh, became the wide receivers coach, but he recruited me out of Memphis and he, you know, he checked me for using that word. And I was like, you know what, Coach Fox, you're right. You know, he said, don't be using that word. You know, it's look who, look, look who's all out here and look who we, who we around. It's not a nice word. So I continue to use it, you know, but I'm, I was young and stupid. But now I, I hate the word. But yeah, uh, Kel Gunner, your ass need to retire, man. Some things you shouldn't say. You better be glad one of them dudes didn't hit you in the bridge of your nose. Because I'm tired of the disrespect, man. Now you're right. Everybody need to be peaceful and happy. But I'm one of those, man. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to show you. I'm gonna have to show you. I'm gonna show you that Isaac gonna preach to me and tell me to calm down. Then he's gonna preach to you and make you feel good. Then I'm gonna look at Ike and be like, did I go too far? Yeah, Doc, you probably went too far because I have to counsel with you sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But get your ass out of there, Kel Gundy. Some things you shouldn't say. But NFL preseason start, man. I don't even really want to talk about the preseason. Uh, what? I respect it because it, it, it's a chance yeah. I had to go play right. and prove that I deserve to be on this, on this, uh, uh, on that level, on this level. So I'm happy for a lot of young, young guys, young Royals who getting the chance to prove they can play in the NFL, man. So the preseason is extremely important, but anything else, man, that caught your eye, man, as far as NFL preseason is concerned. Now, before we get out of here, I do want to say, bro, I saw a couple of clips of Trayvon Diggs with the Cowboys getting his ass cooked. I keep telling people, man, Trayvon Diggs, they <laughs> have had 11 picks last year. But when it comes to covering one-on-one, that's why when Michael Parsons said him and Trayvon Diggs can be the next Aaron Donald and Jalen Rams, I said, man, you tripping. Shut your ass up because Trayvon Diggs has bad technique. And Trayvon Diggs, I, look, man, take this as, a, as, as something to get better, my, my guy. Bad technique. He got stiff hips. He ain't quick and he ain't fast. And they cooking his ass. The Cowboys shouldn't need. Well, I don't even think the Cowboys tweeted that out. But Trayvon Diggs, you got to work on your game, man. Michael Parsons, before mm -hmm. you start putting yourself up there with AD and Jalen Ramsey, man, 
Y'all got to put some more work in at first, but that's what caught my eye. I'm like, damn, Trayvon, they are cooking. They cooking your ass. It's just a go route. It's a quick hezzy and gone, and you left. <laughs> Has anybody caught your eye yet, man, just paying attention to NFL preseason training camp? Well, not yet, Doc, uh, but I'm going to go with you. I mean, preseason is still very important. Doc. I mean, you get and you get some of the greats that have come out of preseason, guys who are on the fringe of making teams, undrafted free agents that, that get their opportunity because, you, you know, you're in an industry where the game and the practices in preseason and training camp, those are your interviews, Doc. You know, you talk about, you know, in other industries, one that want to be able to sit down in front of a Jeff Bezos and I give him my 30 seconds. Well, you get an opportunity when you're playing football and anytime you're on film, you're interviewing for all 32 teams. You get that opportunity because if you if you don't make it here, there's another group of people that are watching you, seeing your mannerisms, how you perform under pressure, and they may want to bring you in and give you another another opportunity with them. So preseason is still important, although it becomes mundane sometimes for us former players, but it's a necessary process that these guys go through and it's their only time to get to shine and uh, perform on the field. Now, as far as Trayvon Diggs, Doc, I mean, man, I mean, listen, these, this, training camp is also a time when veterans have to work their skills and, and, and add another tool to their toolbox. I mean, yeah, he hasn't been a cornerback for very long. Let's, let's give him, yeah. you know, let's give him that. So he's still learning. I don't know who the Dallas Cowboys has as a cornerback coach or who he talks to, uh, you know, uh, as far as his counseling is concerned. Um, it's, it's funny because Jackie Slater has a consulting company where he trains offensive linemen. And then during the season, those same offensive linemen will send their practice film or game film to him. And he coaches from oh, the wow. comforts of his home. Wow. And it's, I just think that's amazing. That's just an avenue that some of these players, Doc, should take advantage of. You mentioned Warren Sapp. I heard Warren Sapp say on another podcast that, you know, Google, you give Google your questions, but guys like the Pro Football Hall of Famers and Jackie Slater, Warren Sapp, they have answers, man. They will give you the answers. They're just waiting for you to reach out to them, and they'll be more than happy because one of the most painful things to do as a former football player is to sit down, watch a game. My eyes automatically go towards the receivers. That's just the way I've been trained, mm -hmm. And to see bad technique, bro, I mean, that that makes my fist balled up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you, you want to help these guys. You want to mention it because sometimes their coach could just be a friend of the head coach. Yeah. But their coach is probably a defensive guy that's really learning. He's doing on-the-drop training as well as far as being a coach for the wide receiver position. Doc. And, you know, it's an opportunity for these guys. You got to do everything you can do to get better. To, 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 to up up your skill set and be prepared for when it's time for you to go to the table again, man. It's, it's a well of knowledge out there that these guys need to tap into, Doc. It is, man. And Trayvon Diggs, get all the help you can, man. Until then, Dallas <laughs> Cowboys, keep his ass in the zone now. Just keep him in the zone with, with, with safety help. Don't put him one-on-one -on -one with anybody until he gets his technique. Because I'm looking, I'm just like, bro, you damn near yeah. standing straight up. You on the heels of your feet. Your stiff's hip. I mean, your, your hips are stiff. Bro. Yeah, Dallas. I'm talking about y'all ass, man. If y'all don't get that right, y'all gonna have some more problems. But anything else you want to add, Isaac, uh, before you get out of here, man? And I, I want to say it again, man. It's always 
even though we brothers, man, we've been knowing each other for a long time, bro. I ain't gonna need, cause I, I, I had, I had cats that I knew. I've been knowing for a long time. See, they was, they was cracking on me last year at the pro. They were like, damn doc. Well, yeah, like you were happy. Uh, you was happy to happy for Isaac than he was of himself. I'm like, well, bro, I was just excited because being a football player, man, to have somebody that you're close to, you know, that you're real tight with, not only considered one of the best to ever play the game, is one of the best to ever play the game. So to see you in that environment last year, and I ain't gonna even lie, bro, watching you this year, once I found you on stage. I was like, when they, why? I said, I said, well, my boy, I said, I said what, what the hell him and Jack Slater talking about, man? You know what I'm saying? Well, my guy's up there. You know what I'm saying? Then when I saw a picture of your beautiful wife, when they, when Vermeil, I said, man, I, I, I love, it just makes me proud, man. So I'm just still happy for you, brother, that you, 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 you in there rightfully so, man. But anything else you want to add before you get out of here, bro? I just want to say that, man, because I get proud every time I think about it, dog. Well, appreciate it, doc. I mean, I'm humbled by it, man. Uh, you know, particularly from your peers, you know, things like that. It's a humbling, always a humbling experience, man. But just think this was a, a, another great show, Doc, another great opportunity to show that, you know, we can be skillful. We can, we can create content. Uh, you know, uh, I won't say, I won't say we articulate because what, we ain't supposed to be articulate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, exactly. We can talk, Doc. We can, we're multilingual. We can, we can go Ebonics, and we can go Queens, Kings English, you know, when we need to, man. But, you know, that's just neither here or there. But uh, interesting quarterback duels that are coming up through, uh, through training camp here, particularly in Carolina, you got one. Uh, you got a situation in, in San Francisco, something that we'll probably talk about once preseason really gets kickstarted, man. So there's a lot of great things happening on this show. And that quarterback uh... – competition in uh carolina between baker mayfield and sam donald i don't give a damn because they're gonna be sorry anyway i don't care nothing but now san francisco i am you know you know trey lance and jimmy garoppolo they just you there you just chilling man that gotta be strange man we don't want you dog i mean you here but we don't want you we trying to get you know that's gotta be strange but of course because i, I want to see trey lance i don't know if he's gonna play in the preseason but he should play a he should play some because he needs some more experience but we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be talking about that. But anyway, man, another great episode from you as well, man. But that's going to do it for another great episode of the Run Pass Option with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. We talk sports because we know sports. We out. 